This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Oh What A Time, the history podcast that tries to decide if living in the past would be so stressful we'd all be walking around with a constant stomach ache. I'm Ellis James. I'm Chris Scott. And I'm Tom Crane. And each week on this show we'll be looking at a new historical subject and today we're going to be discussing nightlife. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Roman pubs, <laughs> DJs, Turkish drinks, and the bonus bit today, the fourth part, the magical fourth part, is the circus. Yes. When was the last time you had a proper night out out of interest? So that pause tells you everything you need to know about our lives. Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> well, on Saturday, I am going to watch the Swans. I'm going to watch Swansea City play Birmingham City. Yeah. And then I am DJing in London's fashionable Dalston. Oh, wow. But I will not be drinking because A, I'll have to drive because it goes till 4am and it's a nightmare getting cabs at that time. And B, it's my son's fifth birthday party the next morning. And so I can handle tiredness and I can handle a hangover. What I can't handle is both at the same time. So I'm kind of night out adjacent <laughs> on Saturday. But it, of course, it won't be a proper night out because I'll be drinking squash. And C, you do incredibly long, complicated mixes, don't you, between records? Yes. With scratching and <laughs> faders and bass being dropped out. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The night ends for everyone else at 11, but Ellis will be there DJing, mixing until 4am, long yeah, after the doors I'm, are closed. I'm, you know, I'm an artist, really, more than a DJ. <laughs> and music, all music is my easel. That's quite cool. That you're, can I tell you, by contrast, the fact you're a DJ, that's, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Yes. I want to tell you something that happened just before we recorded this, which captures how lame my life has got. You're out DJing in Dalston. In the last month, I've, um, I've really got into chess. Like in a big way. So I've downloaded this app on my phone. I'm learning to play chess and I love it. Okay. Well, could you not play chess before? I didn't fully understand it. I played it in a basic sort of, I know where the pieces go, but I didn't, I'm now understanding. Yeah, yeah, that's my level. How it yeah. works. Anyway, I played a game just before we started recording downstairs in the kitchen on my phone. I beat the computer on intermediate level and I was so happy. I ran across the kitchen. Oh. I jumped in the air. I punched the air and I yelled, I love chess. At the top of my voice. <laughs> and you know those moments when you sort of catch yourself, you think, that is the lamest thing anyone has ever done. I love chess, punching the air. Uh, I'm trying to think. Chris and I went to the theatre. We had a pint afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And that is it. I said, I said to my wife, can I have a second pint? She said, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time I went out for drinks, uh, 
It was after a West Ham game, and this is how pathetic I am. The BBC's Nick Robinson from the Today programme outlasted me in the pub. I had to go. Clang. But he was still there drinking yeah. at the table. <laughs> New Year's Eve, I went drinks at a friend's house and some food, and I was in bed by quarter past 11. Did not, <laughs> did not make it to midnight. On New Year's Eve, I drove to a party in North London about an hour from where I live. Because, you know, cabs are a nightmare, I drove so I didn't drink. We took both of our children, who are uh, nine and four, and um, we expected maybe to go until 10pm. Yeah. And then we they'd fall asleep in the car and that would be that. They were still loving life at quarter past two a.m. And wow. we had to drive back. No. We got home at quarter past three and my son is four and he was winding down the window at the traffic lights, shouting to hammered revellers, Happy New Year! <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> so you're sober till two in the morning and then driving home. I was sober, yeah. Good on you. So I think our listeners are going to agree, what better three people to grapple the subject of nightlife oh, yeah. than <laughs> Nick Robinson, Ellis's kid, <laughs> and... Uh, chess boy. The AI chess bot that Crane just beat. I talked to one of the top DJs from the Hacienda in Manchester on Five Live about three weeks ago. That's pretty cool. But I mean, for like five minutes, and he, he was on the phone. Yeah. So, I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm almost night out adjacent. God, that's pathetic. And it's worth mentioning to, to overseas listeners that the Hacienda closed in about 1994. So this DJ, I'm assuming, is a minimum of 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say he's about 60, but he did have a gig okay. that night. He was, he was DJing okay, in Glasgow, fine. so he's still doing it. But yeah, we're night, we're, we're night out adjacent. We're night out adjacent. Well. Our listeners, by contrast, still live full, exciting lives in which they send in full and exciting emails. Look at that for a link. Shall we head into the correspondence? Yes, please. Okay. This email that we received, actually today, we don't normally go straight in because there's loads to get through. But I love this email. It's one of my favourite emails we've received to the show. So I thought, you know what, We'll we'll go straight in with it. This is from someone called Angela Snape. And she's emailed the show to say... Hi, I've never taken the time to write into a podcast before, but my son recommended it to me, which makes me feel like however else I may have failed as a parent, at least I've instilled him with a decent sense of humour to get him through life. I'm sure you're doing a great job. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's very sweet. Thank you. And it ends there. No, it doesn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> just, you know. Firstly, my time machine... This, this has such a good point in it. Firstly, my time machine would be a kind of reverse TARDIS. From the outside, it would look like an imposing official building, probably a tax office, and nobody in their right mind would voluntarily enter. But the inside would be a tiny cramped box with just enough room for a control panel, comfy chair, kettle, and a toaster. I do like that idea of something that nobody would bother to enter. I think that's quite clever, because if you've yes. gone back, you don't want people coming back to your time machine and finding there's a Viking in it. You want it to be something that nobody's interested in going into. Yes. It's a good thought process. A phone box. Like a phone box in this day and age. Yes. That'd be perfect. It's TARDIS-like and no one's really going in it anymore. But then you're not going back to this day and age. You live in this day and age. So you need something you can go back. <laughs> it's immediately fallen, fallen apart. Like you could go back and send that email. Yeah, exactly. Like the other day, right, Izzy texted me and said, I put a wash on, but I didn't press start. Could you press start? Yeah. And then I didn't press start. And then that... At the end of the day, she said, should we hang out that wash? I was like, oh, sorry, I didn't press that. She wasn't like, did I? I was like, well, what a fucking mess. <laughs> well, funny you should say that, because Angela Snape would not have a problem with that. Let me explain why. She says, I know there are many famous diabolical historical figures I could target. 
but I'd like to go back to the moment when ironing was invented and scream, why? Into the face of whoever decided we should all have flat clothes. <laughs> whilst twatting them over the head with a Russell Hobbs supreme steam. When I think about the time, money and energy that's been wasted on this utterly ridiculous chore, it's such a good point. I'm enraged and bewildered and remain convinced that we are ludicrously stupid species that deserve everything we get. When my children were small, they went to my mum's house and on noticing her ironing board, piped up, Nanny, why have you got a surfboard? <laughs> and she was outraged that my kids had no idea what it was and I had to explain to her that I had multiple jobs. I didn't give a shit that we had crumpled garments. I flick and stretch mine when they're wet, job done. And I believe that once I've travelled back into the mists of time to put a stop to this nonsense, I will return to a utopian present where everyone is a bit more rumpled but happy and kind. War and poverty and suffering won't exist. Big, huge love to you all. You rock. Stay creased. Angela Devon. One of my favourite emails. Stay the old, creased. The old, the, <laughs> the old flick and stretch. <laughs> but is this not an invention? So like, is there no crinkle-proof clothes? Uh, it feels like something we should have wrapped our heads around. Yeah, my daughter has, um, has iron... Some, not all of them, are like iron-proof shirts for school. Oh, really? The shell suit em- embraces the crinkle, doesn't it? There are certain clothes that go, I am crinkled and this is how I how I should be. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone the other way. I love that email, mainly... Be- well, A, it really made me laugh, and B, I thought it's a really good subject for people to write in about. Things that you could go back to in the past and just basically put a stop to stuff that exists now yeah. where you're like we don't need this where are you going back and what are you stopping people from doing and starting we could call it the ball lick destroyer <laughs> <laughs> and if there's something that you think is just a ball lick <laughs> you could go back and stop it at source <laughs> So that is a that is a bullet. Absolutely. So why are we still doing that? Or who started that? Ironing is a great example, actually. Yeah, it is pointless ironing. I, I hate ironing so much. I, 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 it's such a boring thing to do. And it why does it matter? You see, I I like it. Why? And I do it. And I last night I was ironing my daughter's school uniform at ten to midnight. Okay. Because I quite I quite like her wearing flat clothes, and I know that sounds absolutely ridiculous. Because <laughs> Izzy's very much of the flick and stretch. Okay, school. Uh, but I think Borlick Destroyer. There's going to be loads of these. Yeah, it's the kind of thing. I mean, there is there is actually a purpose to it, but stuff like if you're self-employed, keeping your receipts. Yes. And all that. I mean, I mean that's not a bad example because I kind of how else do you prove your expenditure? But. <laughs> That's sort of that's the ballpark we're in for Borlick Destroyer, I think. Do you know, I, w- I would throw daylight savings up there. I've actually now yeah, I've become yeah. a parent. In messing with the kids' time, oh my like, god, just, yeah. that is well up there for me. I would go to the moment the tie was invented and go, "What the hell are you doing? Why?" <laughs> now that that is a superb example. What a pointless thing! This bit of material is dangling around everyone's neck while they go to work, or in sick yeah. form every morning, I'm trying to do it. Why do I care about this? What is it for? That's a great example. And it's dangerous. I was consistently peanutted throughout yeah. secondary school <laughs> and <laughs> gasping for breath, on, you know, on, on the uh, on the football pitch. It's, it, what is the point of a tie? Get get rid of it. There you are. So if you have any ball aches that you want to destroy, do email the show. A world without ties. <laughs> Can you imagine it? It would be a better world. It would. 
Absolutely. So, Angela, that's a great email. Thank you for contacting the show. On uh, this episode, for the fourth part that's only available to subscribers, or what a time full timers, we're not discussing ironing, even as much as I would like to. Because, uh, sorry, Angela, I, I actually find it quite calming to iron. I think that's why I like it. I'm discussing the circus, and it's a really, really great bit of research provided for us by our historian, our resident historian, Daryl. So if you'd like to listen to that part, become a subscriber. It is $4.99 a month. You get an extra part in every episode. You get episodes a week ahead of everyone else. It's ad-free. It can't be. Can it? It is. Plus, there's a bonus episode every month, pre-sale for any live shows. So if you'd like to subscribe, go to owhatatime.com or anotherslice.com forward slash owhatatime. Or you can just look on your Apple app, whatever your app is, and find it there. You can click on it that way. Yeah, same goes for Spotify. Or just Google it. Like, I don't think there's anything that can't be solved by Googling it. Like... I do numerous podcasts now, and I always give the web address. And I just want to say, or just Google it, because no matter what you put, if it's vaguely in the right ballpark, you will get there. (laughs) I've thought of something else, by the way. You find ironing relaxing. I don't iron as much as I should. There is one thing I do. (laughs) I thought you were going to say as much as I used used to. Which is is on the outskirts (laughs) of ironing, which Claire, my wife, thinks is quite weird. Yeah. If I have slightly damp socks that have just come off the radiator and aren't quite dry, I will slot the sock over the end of a hairdryer and turn on the hairdryer and inflate it like a windsock and then dry it like that. that. So maybe a minute and a half per sock um, shoved over the end of a hairdryer. And then two warm socks out the door and on with my day. Can I just say, I think that is I think that is incredibly dangerous because you can set fire to hairdryers like Right. That. Okay. So um, <laughs> where do we go legally with this, Chris? What are the... What, what, what? I think legally, don't listen to Tom. No. Even though he has such warm... Uh, He's a comedy writer by trade. (laughs) Everything he says is a joke. The man is a joke. No, that isn't a joke. I do that every morning. Not every morning, but I would say a minimum once a week I do that. Anyway, I'll leave you to your own choices. Anyway. Do what you need. Mm -hmm. Because we've discussed your washing clothes habits a couple of times this podcast. You need more underwear. Yes. You need more pants and you need more socks. Because it sounds... I have a lot of pants and a lot of socks. So what's happening here? What's I tend to... We put on washes and it seems to be... Often it's the sort of thing... It's it's the socks, really, is the issue. And then they, they, they often get forgotten to the last minute. And I go, oh, no, I haven't put socks in for a while. Everything else will be going around. The kids' clothes have been going around. My T-shirts and jeans and all these sort of things. They're spotless. But the socks, unfortunately, the forgotten guys... We've got big problems. We do. (laughs) All right. And don't forget, if you want to get in touch with the show, here's how. All right, you horrible lot. Here's how you can stay in touch with the show. You can email us at hello at ohwhatatime.com and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ohwhatatimepod. Now, clear off. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com.
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So on this week's show, I'll be telling you about a Turkish drink called Boza. I will be telling you about the birth of the DJ and modern nightclubbing. And I will be talking to you about Roman Boza. <laughs> And out of circus. Nice. I don't know why I'm doing a Cockney voice for a Roman <laughs> pub. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's inconsistent. It's why you didn't get that role in Gladiator, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were up for the Russell Crowe part, but you insisted on doing it Cockney. <laughs> <laughs> I am Decimus Maximus. Yeah. What? <laughs> what, Aurelius? What? Father to a murdered wife. <laughs> oh, father. father to a murdered oh, wife. Oh, no, right, husband to a husband to a murdered wife. More oh, like, yeah, oh, what sorry, like? whatever. I don't know. I've only sort of barely got some acquaintance sorry. with the script. Um, Roman nightlife was, as you would expect, it was sophisticated and also it was stratified. So you had the papina, which was the ancient equivalent of a pub, and that came in for some real bad criticism from the empire's elite. Some of the worst criticism, in fact, was reserved for the papina. So the elites, of course, they had the space for entertainment, dinner parties, etc. And so they failed to appreciate the need for public space for those without those luxuries. Now, the pub, much like today, was where ordinary Romans, normal Romans, the people who really feature, of course, in the history books or in television documentaries about emperors and senatorial politics, etc. They could gather to have a drink, to eat, to pick up men and women, be merry, have a laugh and a place where they would be served by waitresses and young garçons. Now, I read this research earlier on, and it just made me want to go to the pub. So I (laughs) (laughs) apologise if I become distracted. More specifically than that, Ellis, hearing that makes me want to go and have a drink in a warm country. That's what it makes me think. I'm imagining people in the sun in Rome stood on the street corner with whatever the equivalent to a pint of Stella was back then. It was actually hard to read this research because (laughs) I read it about 11am and thought, I'm going to go to the pub right now. Do you know, I think pubs in Britain are better because I, I quite like a cold, you know, when it's cold outside and there's a roaring fire inside, maybe a bit of like steam on the windows. A wintry pub is, yeah, is, yeah, is yeah. the best kind of pub. Like, if it, a really hot pub. Really? You no, know, like in the summer. I mean, you probably have beer gardens. But, but they'll I have circular tables outside. They, they, you know, European cities, they have they have wide pavements where people can sit outside and, and yeah. you know, they're, they're designed differently, aren't they? It's all good, isn't it? I don't know. I think the winter pub where you walk in and you clap your hands and you rub them as you walk to the bar and your mates yeah. are already there. I think that is better. I think that's the best, actually. Right, we need yeah. to stop talking about this because <laughs> otherwise I'm going I'm to go downstairs. By the way, just one question. When you say your mates are already there, do you mean that they haven't told you they're going out and it's actually a bit painful? You've run into them. No, I'm oh, just guy, perennially guy, late. Or do you mean... <laughs> okay, right. Um, 
Now, in Roman writings, the papina, they were associated with the smell of food. Oh, nice. Cooked to enable the drunk to carry on drinking. Oh, God. They were associated with the smell of wine or beer in northern provinces, such as Britannia, Belgica and Gaul. They were associated with the smell of farts, of vomit, and of singing, fighting, joke-telling. It just sounds like a modern night out, right? Now, the poet Horace called them greasy and foul, uh, slang terms such as ganium, which was common eating house, and the gurgustium, the pothouse, convey that they were sort of dives or hovels for undesirables. And I'm sure, like all of our listeners, we've all drunk in some pretty unsalubrious places. Yeah. The word I'm going to use is shithole. We've all drunk <laughs> in a shithole. <laughs> However, I like to think if I was in a pub that smelled of vomit, I might say, let's move on. My favourite pub of all time which is sadly has been knocked down, so I can only ever drink there in my mind, uh, used to have sawdust on the floor for vomit. Oh, wow. Where was that? In Carmarthen. In... Is that what it is? That, I've been in pubs with, with sawdust on the floor. Yeah. Is that what it's for? Yeah, yeah. Carmarthen in the late 90s was covered in... It was for vomit. Sawdust. People, people just throwing up. Is that happening that often? And I saw my mate Johnny vomit in there, and I saw the sawdust work its magic, and I thought, <laughs> oh, good, that is actually genuine. <laughs> I thought that sawdust was for, like, drinks spilt on the floor. The sawdust just kind of soaks it up. I didn't realize it was a vom. I think it all oh, helps, isn't God. it? You're, yeah. you're, working in, you're working in the kind of place where a lot of stuff gets spilled. I think it's for everything. I think if you spilt drink on the floor, the barman's not going to go, whoa, 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 that's for vomit. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> that it, no, and piss. <laughs> and piss. And Do you piss. remember the key moment in our lives in terms of the shift of the smell of the pub was just after the smoking ban. Huge. So you would go into a pub or a nightclub and then you would realise, oh, this is what this actually smells like. Yeah. Horrific stench. It came in a year earlier in Wales. Oh, did it? I think it came in earlier in Scotland as well, but it certainly came in earlier in Wales than it did in England. And I was living in Wales at the time. And it was weird. And I didn't think it would catch on. I I thought there would be enormous mass civil disobedience. Yeah. But actually people are like, all right, then, yeah, fine. And you would come home and you would stink of cigarettes. You'd have to have a shower after a night out. Yeah. One of my mates is a pub landlord and he said, this smoking ban will never work. Yeah, yeah. People will just simply, it's not going to happen. And then within a day, people are like, yeah. Yeah, I I was working (laughs) in a pub and our landlord was like, I just can't see it. I just can't yeah. see it. All of our regular smoke. Now, it wasn't just people like Horace, you know, poets like Horace who were talking about the Pepina. These images or portrayals, they weren't just preserved in writing. On the walls of surviving Pepinae, there are frescoes of typical scenes. So one shows uh, Hedony the barmaid and is captioned, drink served one as, if you pay double, you will drink better. If you pay quadruple, you will drink Falernian, which was a prized brand of wine. It's one of those jokes that's 2,000 years old. It doesn't really work anymore, but still you get the picture. Um, it's got a certain charm. But, but graffiti too also points to habits and behaviours that went on inside the pub. So this little piece of graffiti, it's got a kind of back of a toilet door quality to it. So 16th of uh, August, the Festival of Lady Ceres. Here, three young fellows read their names. Onesimus, Lucius Valerius Asanius, Philomenus. Had a good time, one of them. The last named with a woman. So, <laughs> wow! Little do they know, did those people when they wrote that would they've known that that would still to de- this long into yeah. the future people would be discussing that bit of graffiti written on a night out in Rome in the humanities building library at Cardiff University where I went. 
once when I was studying politics and history, there was genuinely quite funny graffiti on sort of toilet doors. Right. But as funny as it was in the year 2001, I never thought they would be discussed on a podcast 2000 in 2000 years' time. <laughs> but that, now, the first and last of these men, they were Greek slaves, and the middle one was a Roman freeman. So as buildings, they contained all sorts of facilities, these sort of Roman pubs. There was a bar, there was a counter, there were booths, there were spaces for games of dice and of cards, plenty of room for standing around and chatting. It just sounds like a good pub. Yes. At night, they were lit using lamps. They could stay open long into the evening. Oh, I love that. Although, crucially, they didn't have any beds. So if, if you wanted any sort of action, for want of a better word, that had to be accommodated elsewhere. Now, in satirical writing, the publican, was thought to be in constant battle with his or her customers, watering down the wine, serving oh. the cheapest food possible at the greatest profit, and dreaming of well, <laughs> dreaming of murdering the fools who crossed the threshold, which is a very funny <laughs> quote uh, when it comes to how <laughs> landladies and landlords discuss their customers. Now, the, the watering down of the wine, that was a thing. Maybe I'm just drinking in different pubs, or maybe I'm just older, or maybe, I don't know, the circles I move in are different. That was a big concern when I was about 18, <laughs> yeah. that you would walk into pubs and people say, yeah, they're watering down the Carlsberg. So it's actually it's, it's too weak, so it won't get you drunk. They're, they're ripping us off. That never happened, though, did it? Because I heard the same, but I don't know if I actually believe it. It's funny, though. Like I was always told that about certain establishments. And some people, especially the people who were about a year older than you, when you first start going out, they would do things like they would take a sip of their pint and they'd go, ugh, landlord hasn't cleaned his lines properly. So <laughs> yeah, the, ta- the taps are off. That's taps are, and you'd be like, yeah, this, this guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> This guy, you know, I should hang around with this guy. The pub guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Old Egon Rone over it. Yeah. Now, the clients themselves in the pubs were denounced as assassins, sailors, thieves, fugitives, executioners, coffin makers, and just general <laughs> drunks. Right. So in the view of the writer Marcellinus, pub goers were gamblers, the sort who snorted through their noses as they played and were prone to squabbling over chariot racing. So I suppose that's the nearest you would get to people falling out over you know, football or modern sport. And yet, even though poets and the Roman elites were criticising these places, they were omnipresent in Roman society. So more than 100 Popinai or pubs have been identified amongst the ruins of Pompeii, for example. Oh, wow. Yeah, similar numbers have been found in Ostia, and together this suggests that Rome itself had thousands. There were probably thousands of these pubs in Rome. I'm now thinking about pub crawls, Ellis. This is how suggestible I am. The mention of, like, thousands of pubs in Rome in the warmth. Oh, going from one to another. Just this is the most... I would like to thank Darrell, our historian, for writing the most Proustian piece of research because, honestly, (laughs) my head is swimming with pub memories. I love the pub. (laughs) Now... These pubs were hidden down back streets. There were pubs that served fans at the Coliseum, like there would be pubs outside football grounds. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Pubs outside the Circus Maximus, at the theatre, those which served travellers coming in from outside Rome and so on. That was the lowest form of public house. So there were several other types, and these were distinguished usually by the provision of accommodation and food. So you had inns, uh, the Kaupoi, and then the Tabernai, which was a sort of an Iberian sort of a taverna, a bit like the kind of place Tom was talking about a few minutes ago, although these places often only served drinks. And then the Thermopylae, which was a kind of snack bar. Now, the Calpona varied, so sometimes they resembled the Papina pubs, but they had beds, so they're better suited to supporting prostitution. And sometimes they appealed to a wealthier clientele, 
affording private dining spaces for business lunches and meals out of an evening. Now, surviving literature regards the inn as more appropriate for wealthy Romans to enter than the pub, but not by much. Okay. So, Because the, the bed on offer might be nothing more than a, a bug-infested mattress on the floor oh. of a shared room. Right. But um, all I'm the better... St- I'm you stay up drinking, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the option. But all the better to leave this woman nightlife to the masses and just to follow the old maxim circulated amongst the elites that said, just as I do not care to live in a place of torture, neither do I care to live among Popinai. So perhaps though they might have wanted to live on the sort of Vica Sobrius or Sobriety Lane where there were no pubs or inns of any kind. There were not that many places. The ancient Romans loved to drink. That is so... Interesting. That's amazing. Again, they're so like us. They're so modern, aren't they? So many parallels. It's unreal when you study the ancient world. Yeah. And also you're just like, I could easily imagine myself just popping like one day time machine. I'd love to go back, have a few. Great shout. Go to the Colosseum. Have a yeah, yeah. Have a couple of pints before the game, if you can oh. call it that. <laughs> go to the Colosseum and then win or lose on the booze. <laughs> Do you think? If you go and watch the football here in England, it may be different for overseas listeners. You're not allowed to take your pint to your seat. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. You have to have a drink in the surely in the Colosseum. Considering what's happening on the ground, people are getting stabbed and killed, and there's lines <laughs> ripping off people's faces. They'll be all right about you taking a yeah. pint to your seat, won't you? Because in the context of things, that's all right. I went to watch Wales play Latvia out in Riga. Uh, yeah. In a it was a must have been a Euros qualifier a few months ago. The Euro 2024, and um, we'd been on the piss all day, and I got to the ground, and I just became thirsty in that way that you do when you've been drinking since midday, and I said to my friend, I said, oh, buy me a pint at halftime, will you? And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. And he came back, and he said, oh, no, no. I said, get me a bottle of water at halftime, that's all I need, because he was going to the bar. I don't actually want another drink. And he came back, and he said, unfortunately, that they don't sell water here, but they do sell lager that is 8%, so I got you one of those. I was like, that's... <laughs> That's that's made everything worse now. <laughs> did you drink? It? I did, yeah. And then a bloke just fell on me. Yeah, <laughs> that'll happen. Because everyone would be drinking eight percent beer. A man just fell on me, and then fell down some more seats. I was like, yeah, this is. Uh, I get it. This <laughs> Horace would write about this, and he would be absolutely damning. I've got a good segue here. I'm about to talk about drinks in in turkey and once when i worked on i worked on formula one for a year on the with the bbc and as a production team we went out and in the shadow of the grand mosque in uh in istanbul we said why don't we have a, have a few drinks tonight and we must have sunk eight pints and, uh, and then towards the end of the evening one of us realized we've been downing non-alcoholic beer all night yeah yep but did you feel drunk no uh maybe maybe Oh, interesting, because I had a night once when I was drinking bottles of what I thought was beer, but was non-alcoholic beer, and I definitely felt tipsy. There was that sort of... Because my mindset was that way, and people around me were drinking alcohol and getting drunk. I assumed I was sort of tipsy. I'm gonna introduce, and as soon as I realised, I was like, oh, no, I'm sober. I'm going to introduce a, a new sort of word to your vocabulary, Tom. Placebo. They're not just <laughs> a band. Placebo effect. <laughs> an effect that is noted. Indeed. <laughs> So that's the end of part one. Um, If you want to hear part two straight away, 
then do become an Oh What A Time full-timer. It's just $4.99. What a bargain. And you can listen to it in one meaty piece, as it should be. If not, you catch it tomorrow. You can become an Oh What A Time full-timer on ohwhatatime.com or on your app, I'm sure. Look down there. You can click on it. It'll be there. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.